Hello and welcome to another weekly teaching from Vineyard Community Church, St. Louis. Uh, now for uh, the actual teaching part. So I'm going to need everyone to kind of set aside whatever expectations you kind of came with this morning, like of the way like a teaching normally goes, which is a lot of you know, the teacher up here telling you like some really brilliant things um, about the passage. This is, this is going to be a little different. We're going to take some kind of twists and turns this morning. Um, so I just want to let you know that it's like, hey, are we, are we getting there? Are we getting there? We're going to get there. Don't worry. So just sit back and relax. Jesus is kind of, uh, Jesus has been quite clear with me that he is in charge this morning, not me. Don't love that. Um, but I think it's going to be better for all of us. So, so first of all, I'm going to start with a story. Um, here's the, our scripture, our passage for this morning, and this is in the NLT. What, since part of our aim for, this teach, for um, the series in Philippians is to help all of us really engage with scripture, as I was praying about it, as I was talking it through, I felt really drawn to uh, sharing my story of how I engaged with this passage in prep for this teaching. Before I do that, let me go ahead and read it first. Uh, it's up on the screen if you want to see it, but you can also go there in your Bible. It's Philippians uh, 3.10 is where we're starting. Paul says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. And let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. And if you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. So here was my plan. My plan was to study this scripture and, you know, just understand it so thoroughly that I was going to get up here and teach you all from my brilliance. God did not seem, surprisingly, did not seem like super down with that plan, and he had another plan, and his plan included me still doing all the studying, you know, looking at all the different uh, translations of this verse, which, by the way, are like, they're really different. Each of the translations translates this passage so differently. It also included me like going down to like the interlinear, which is like the Greek words that are used. I am not a Greek scholar. I don't know why I thought this would help. But, and it did, it, here's the, I found some fascinating bits about this. I will say that. But the result of all of this was that it really just got kind of tangled up in the thing. And I, I kind of was like, I don't know what Paul is saying here, God. And to tell you the truth, it was really quite disappointing. I was really discouraged. I was really disappointed that I tried really hard 
to understand this thing, and I couldn't. And so, I uh, listened to Bill's teaching last week, and his Bible tip, I don't know if you guys remember it, but it was, it, seriously, it could have had Emily in front of it. Emily, don't obsess about what you don't know about a scripture, and instead, focus on what you do know. And so it turned me back to Jesus, and I sensed Jesus asking me, Emily, what do you know about this scripture? What is clear? There's a lot that's not clear. What is clear? And that sort of made it worse, (laughs) because as I realized what was clear about this passage, Paul's main exhortation, his main point that he's making, which we'll get there, don't worry, um, I didn't like it. I didn't like it, and I didn't want that to be the main point, and I didn't want to teach on it. And so I really struggled with it, (laughs) and honestly, I almost didn't. I almost was just like, well, you know, just set aside the main point, and I'll just focus on this thing over here. But that also was not God's plan. Um, And so, thankfully, really, truly, thankfully for me, and really the rest of your benefit as well, but thankfully, I had to push through on the thing. I couldn't there. I couldn't leave it to where, you know, I read some bit of scripture, didn't understand it, didn't like it, and I was like, well, you know, I'll just set that aside. It's fine. I'm sure there's other parts of the Bible I can focus on. I, I really, I knew I had to get up here and teach something, and so I had to push through on the thing. And the really cool thing is, is that when I did, God did teach me something from this passage, even though I didn't understand all of it, still don't understand all of it, and even though I initially started out not liking it. And I share this with you because I wonder if this is kind of a common response to Scripture. We read it and don't really get it, and maybe we try to get it and try to dig down, still don't get it, or maybe we do get it and we're like, that's terrible, Uh, really don't like that. And how often we just kind of give up on the thing, uh, and so I just, I share it as an encouragement that it was so deeply meaningful for me to push through, to press on, which ironically is the main point of this passage, uh, to press on in this scripture, to press into God and say, what do you have for me in this? So that's, that's kind of what I wanted to encourage you with, just with that story is, it's okay if you read a scripture and you don't understand it. If you read a scripture and you don't like it, it's okay. doesn't mean you're less spiritual. I mean, you're certainly no less spiritual than I am, apparently. It's okay. And God can still work in you and through you in that scripture. So, that's my story. Now, we're going to do something um, that I'm actually pretty excited about. Before I share with you what God did highlight me, to me in this, we're going to do something together. We're going to do something called Lexio Divina. And this is actually, that first one is kind of like a bonus tip in the Bible. This is actually my Bible study tip for us. Um, if, who has practiced Lexio Divina before? Okay, a fair number. That's good. So you'll have some idea of what we're doing here. 
Um, Lexio Divina is Latin. It's a very ancient practice um, for, it actually stands for divine reading. And it's a way of uh, reading the scripture and engaging with the scripture where its intent is really to uh, hear God's voice to you through the scripture and to respond to it. So the goal with Lexio is not to study it, it's not to figure out the context of it. It's not to see it in the big picture. It's not to like totally even understand it. Although, hear me, those are really good things to do. Okay, those are great things to do, great ways to engage with, with scripture. Lexio is not that. And I will say, I spent a lot of years really frustrated with the Bible and really unmotivated toward the Bible until I was introduced to this, until I was introduced to this way of engaging with Scripture, and it was like Scripture just came alive to me. You know, where Hebrew says his word is alive and active, I was like, oh my gosh, that's really true. He can really speak to us through his Scripture. That's what, that's what this practice is about. So we're going to do it together. Um, and for those of you who may be younger among us, or you just have never done this before, I have some helpful tools to engage with us. And can someone pass it? Oh, Caleb, yep. I like ordering Caleb around. He's going he's gonna to pass some things out. And so what we're passing out, you don't have to take these. You don't need this for Lexio, but there's some paper in there and there's some crayons. And so if, you know, you're a writer and writing things down just helps you kind of lock things in, or maybe you're really artistic and creative and coloring something just really helps you to like engage with what you're hearing from Jesus, from God, go ahead and take a piece of paper, take a couple of crayons. That's to kind of just help you engage. And what we're going to do, there, there are five steps to Lexio. And while these are getting passed out, I'm going to breeze through this and then we're going to do kind of an abbreviated version of Lexio Divina all together. Um, but really, I have so much confidence that God wants to speak to each one of you this morning that he is not constrained by time. So the five steps of Lexio. The first one is ready. And before you approach scripture in this way, it's really important to kind of still yourself and ready yourself and ask God to speak to you. So, and don't worry too much about remembering these. We're going to walk, I'm going to walk you through them when we actually do it. And then you read the scripture. You read uh, usually just a verse or two. And you read it with really slowly. And what you're trying to do as you read it is to pick out a word or a phrase that stands out to you. Maybe you're not sure why it stands out to you. Maybe it's highlighted to you. Maybe you like feel positively or really negatively about a certain word. Maybe it just stands out to you and you don't know why. That's fine. We're just going to pick a word or a phrase. And then the third step is to reflect uh, whatever word or phrase you, that stood out to you. You're just going to think about that. You're going to think, um, why did that stand out to me? What does that make me think of? You know, maybe you write it. Maybe you draw a picture of what it makes you think of. Maybe you notice, oh man, I feel actually kind of mad as I think about that word. Wow, why do I feel mad? Or I feel sad. Or I feel glad. Now I feel like a Dr. Seuss book up here. Um, <laughs> but kids, really, I want you to do this as well. So kids, really pay attention. 
See what word stands up to you. Think about how that makes you feel. What's that make you think of? The fourth step is respond. And then that's the part where we're going to talk to Jesus about it in our head. We're going to say, Holy Spirit, why? This is what this word makes me think or feel. Like, what's up with that? And we're going to listen for his response. Okay? And I'll talk a little bit more about that when we get to that step. And then the fifth step is to rest. And this is sometimes called contemplation. We're just going to rest in God's presence not needing to say anything, not needing to hear anything. That's really lovely. Okay, is everything passed out? Everybody got what they want? We're going to ready to go through this thing. So I'm going to walk us through one at a time. And so the first one, and I'll put our scripture up here, but the first one, I'd like everyone just to close your eyes. And also, if you're like, ugh, whatever, I don't want to, I don't want to do this thing, that's fine. Just close your eyes. You can like think of your grocery list or something while we're doing this. And maybe God will talk to you through that. I'm telling you that he talked, talks to each one of you this morning, okay? So close your eyes just wherever you are. Take a couple of deep breaths. And in whatever way feels natural to you, you know, just ask God, and kids, you do this too, ask God to speak to you. And I'm going to pray over all of us too, and then I'm just going to be quiet for a few seconds. Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak to our hearts through this scripture, words that you inspired someone to write long, long ago. We ask that you speak to us. Okay, so the second step is to read, and I'm going to read this slowly twice. And remember, as I'm reading it, and you can look at it up here, um, Try to see if there's a word or maybe a couple of words, a phrase that stands out to you for whatever reason. You don't even have to know why it stands out to you. You can write that word down. You can color something. Just do whatever. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. And one more time. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Okay, so now we're going to go to step three. Like I said, this is abbreviated and faster than you would normally do it. So we're going to reflect on that word or phrase. And if one didn't stand out to you, you know what? You could just pick one. You don't have to over-spiritualize it. God can speak to you through any of these words, okay? So we're going to be quiet for two minutes, and in that time, just kind of think on, chew on that phrase in your brain. Maybe you're, you know, it helps you to write it out. Maybe it helps you to draw a picture with colors, not colors, whatever. But just think about, how does that make me, what does that make me think of? What does that make me feel? And I'm going to be quiet. We're going to be quiet for two minutes.
Okay. You may have already been interacting with God a little bit, but now we're going to go to step four, which is to, oh, I have the steps up here, to respond to God in it. And so in this time, you can just in your, quietly in your head, you know, just tell God what you've been thinking or feeling. God, that's word. It makes me feel so tied up in knots or whatever it was. And then wait and listen for him to respond to you. And now this can look and feel a lot of different ways. Um, some people hear like an audible voice in their head. They hear God talking to him, you know, in, in their mind. Um, some people see a picture or lots of pictures. Some people feel like an overwhelming feeling, um, or they like remember a song suddenly, or a scripture pops into mind. Um, there's a lot of different ways. So just as you pour that out to God, notice anything that pops up in your mind. Probably that's God um, responding back to you in it. Trust that he knows how to communicate to you. We're going to give this two more minutes. Go ahead. Okay, I know that was like so quick for some of you, and for others, it felt like an eternity. Um, but the last step is you just rest. Um, whatever you heard from him or whatever you said, this is a time where you just get to rest in his presence, not needing to say anything more or hear anything more. Um, normally, you know, people do this for about five minutes. We're going to do 30 seconds, okay? So just to the best of your ability... I know maybe you have some wiggly ones next to you. It's okay. Let's just rest for 30 seconds in his presence.
All right, you did it. We just did Lexio Divina together. Good job, everyone. Um, I encourage you, um, you know, part of this practice, what's been really cool is to share it with someone later. Share, share with someone what you felt like stood out to you and what God said to you in it. And I will say, even if you felt like, I didn't hear anything. I, I didn't hear anything from God. I, I don't think I did it right. That's okay. Share that too. Um, because really, if you press on in it, God will use it. Even if you felt like, ugh, that kind of fell flat for me. It's okay. Talk about it with someone anyway. Don't be discouraged. Talk about it and let someone else encourage you in it. Okay. So, now that we have given God an opportunity um, to kind of personally speak to each one of us through one of the verses that we're going to look at today, we're going to kind of look a little more big picture. Uh, and like I said at the beginning, I still don't really totally understand all of uh, what Paul is saying here. Paul's kind of confusing, uh, I think. But, um, you know, I read in a devotional or in a scripture this week that part in Luke where Jesus had already uh, been resurrected and he's like talking with his disciples. And it said, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And I thought, huh, God did not do that for me <laughs> with this passage. And I was kind of talking to God about it. And he said, how do you know I didn't? And I realized, oh, he did. He opened my mind to this scripture kind of the way I wanted him to, uh, which was like to totally understand everything about it. Um, but he did open my mind to a few little things. And those are the things that, are, that I'm going to share with you. And really, when I noticed that, I realized, oh, I actually have a lot of faith for those few things that he pointed out to me because that's what he opened my mind to. Um, and so that, those are the things that I feel like I want to share with you this morning. So here's our passage again. Before, you know, I kind of launch into these, just want to remind you that we're going through Philippians uh, to look at it through an us lens. So, you know, not just reading this letter from Paul as like, hey, what does this say about me and what I should do? But how does this impact all of us as an us? So that's, that's kind of what we're going to be chewing on as we look at this. Uh, so the first thing that I feel like stood out to me was this. We are works in progress. Let me explain. He says in verse, I think it's 12, yeah. I don't mean to say that I have already reached perfection. So that word perfection, you know, most of the translations translate the, the Greek word here. This is where the Greek was actually kind of interesting to me and helpful, um, is that word perfection. You know, I'm not saying that the Greek scholars who wrote the Bible translations picked the wrong word, because that seems presumptuous of me. I'm just saying that, I just, that word perfection, to be perfect, it has like a very specific connotation to us, I think especially like us Americans in our society, and perfection means we don't make mistakes. I'm so perfect, I don't make mistakes. Um, that's, that's not really what the, the root word means here. Perfection, and I'm not even going to try to say the Greek word that was translated as perfection, but I wrote it out for you there. What it actually means, and what they chose the word perfection to represent, was to bring to an end complete, 
perfect. So it's, almost, it's more like a masterpiece that someone has drawn or painted, and at the end, it is complete, and there's nothing more that needs to be added to it. It's not that that painting isn't ever going to make a mistake. It's that it's completed, and it is perfect. And so he, what, what it's saying, and I love this phrase that I found you know, in, my, in my study, it, what it really means is like what he's really saying here not that I have already reached perfection, this perfection would be I have become and fulfilled as much as is possible the person that God has designed me to be. And he's saying, I haven't gotten there yet. I'm still working on this thing. And so to me, that kind of implies, you know what, that applies to us too. If Paul has not reached this, we certainly haven't either. He just listed all his qualifications you know, in the, in the paragraphs above this, this is all of us. We are all works in progress. None of us have yet reached, while we're here on this earth, we have not yet become and fulfilled as much as is possible the person God has designed us to be. And here's why I think that's important. Because it changes the goal. It changes the goal. Because the goal is not, and Paul's goal was not, to become a person who never makes mistakes. Our goal as a community is not to become a community that never makes mistakes. That would be a terribly unsafe community to be a part of. That is not what our goal is. The goal for us as individuals and for us as a community is to fulfill as much as possible the person, the people, that God has designed us to be. And that changes what our trajectory is, right? That changes what the goal is. And so, what is Paul's main exhortation? He's saying, okay, we haven't gotten there yet. We have not yet fulfilled who we are totally meant to be while on this earth, so what do we do with that? And his main exhortation is this, we press on. We press on to possess it. We press on to take hold of it. He says it like three times. I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. The NLT um, in 13, he says, I, you know, looking forward. Other translations, uh, it's really more of a straining forward, a striving forward. I strive forward to do this thing. I press on to reach the end of the race. The end of the race is becoming who God has fully designed us to be. But we have to press on to get there. And full disclosure, this was the part, uh, as I read it, that I really didn't like very much. You know what I like? I like resting. <laughs> I like um, resting in Jesus because Jesus is going to, you know, make me the person that I'm meant to be. That's not what Paul is saying here. He didn't say, hey, I haven't already reached perfection, and so I'm just going to chill out. And let God do that. That's not what he's saying, clearly. He is emphatically saying the opposite. He is saying, this is going to require your effort. Effort is not sin. It doesn't mean we're trying to co-opt it from God. It means we partner with God in this thing. It is going to require our effort to become fully the community that God has designed us to be. It is going to take our effort as individuals to become the people 
that God has designed us to be sometimes sustained over long periods of time. Sometimes we're going to be kind of tired. And sometimes it's going to be really, really hard to do that, and we're not going to want to, and we're going to want to give up. And so as I kind of prayed into that, where I'm like, God, I just really don't like that. It just sounds really exhausting to me. How do we, and I really had to press, I had to press on. I'm telling you, God has taught me so much <laughs> in this passage. I had to press on. I said, God, how do we stay motivated toward doing this? How do we as a community stay motivated in this? Oh, we must press on. Yep. Okay. And this is what he highlighted to me. You know, there are actually a lot of really motivating things, even in this passage, a lot of things to motivate us. Um, But this is what he highlighted to me to share with you at this moment where we are as a community is this, and it's what we dyslexioed. I'm not sure if that's supposed to be a verb (laughs) or if that's how you make it a verb, but it did. So there it is. But we must hold on to the progress that we have already made. I believe this is how God wants us to stay motivated. You know, we as humans, and I don't know, maybe this is just me, maybe some of you relate to this, maybe you don't. Man, I just get so hyper-focused on where I am not yet, on what I want to be better at, at where I know I'm still messing up. And as a community, you know, from my position in the church especially, gosh, I just get so obsessed with what we're not doing well, with what we could be doing better at, with where we could press forward. It's like, oh, why can't we just get there? It's not motivating. We think it's going to be. We think that by listing all of our faults to ourselves or like thinking about all of the ways we could be better, we think that's going to motivate us. It's not, it's at least not at this time. That's, that's not what God is saying. What God is saying is this. We must hold on to the progress that we have already made. One of the other translations is only let us live up to what we have attained. See how that switches it a little bit? Think about everything that God has done for you. Think of how far he's brought you. Think of what he's done inside of you. Think of your progress that you have made. God made me wear this shirt this morning. It says, um, he invited me to wear this shirt. He didn't make me. It says progress, not perfection. He also sort of made me buy it because I need that reminder. I think we all need that reminder. Look at the progress you have made and hold on to it. Hold on to it because we want to slip back. We want to slip back to where we were because it's easier. So we have to recognize the progress that we've made as individuals and guys, also as an us. As an us. Think of all that God has done in us (laughs) as a community. Think of how, gosh, I just think about how he's loosened us up so much and taken us away from performance. He's loosened us up to, to where we can see, oh, we really want what God is doing to come from each person, not just, you know, from us in central leadership. He's loosened us up to see each person and what God is doing to mutually discern together. He's done so much in us. 
I think what he's saying to us is we need to hold on to that progress because that is what is going to motivate us to press on to take hold of what he also has for us because he has more and there is more and there is more and there is more. Not just for each of us as individuals, although that is certainly true, but for us, for us as a community, there is more. So 